face front, true believers. Today, we're reviewing the third of four attempts to get a Marvel RPG up and running, all with varying degrees of success. In most cases, that's a nice way to say incredible degrees of failure. And all wildly different in tone and style from game to game. It's Marvel Universe Roleplaying today, the 2003 Diceless System, published by none other than the distinguished Marvel Comics themselves. So strap in, ditch your dice, and let's make ours Marvel today on System Mastery. Enough said. Everybody, welcome to System Mastery, the podcast where we, I don't know, beat a dead horse or something. I didn't say that in the intro this time, so don't worry about it. Here it is just for you, from God. me, Jeff. Damn it, that's our tagline and everything. <laughs> I was working in Marvel taglines. I know you were out dumping, but uh, but yeah. I was I was busy uh, saying like, you know, face front true believers and enough said, that kind of shit. Well, I hope you threw an Excelsior in there. Uh, I, I was saving it for you. I was going to give you the Excelsior. I oh, did yeah, make, sure. Yeah, I, I did make mine Marvel, Nuff said, and face front true believers. Did you want the Excelsior? Well, I already gave it. Okay, good. Then we're all set. I'm Jeff, and that's John. Hi. Hi. How you doing? I'm doing all right. Good. I'm glad to hear it. I know uh, last night you and I were doing some prep work for an unrelated uh I don't know, gig that you and I have, I guess we can call it. And we were playing the hell out of some good old-fashioned Sentinels of the Multiverse, the card game. Oh, yeah. Love that stuff. Love some superhero stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, we basically got a, a theme going on since last time we did some real garbage superhero stuff uh, that was, you know, based on a very indie property. But now we're going full mainstream. Yeah, one of the two big deal ones, the the major publishers, the distinguished competition. There, I got that one in too. <laughs> and uh, th- that means that we're going to be doing a Marvel game today. Now, uh, one of the, the little bits of weird story history for System Mastery is that we actually recorded a pilot episode. You remember when we did that, John? It was like seven years ago. Yeah, remember that when we recorded the same pilot like four times? Yeah, and we kept trying to figure out ways to record at the same time because we didn't really just Google it. So there was a point where you had a laptop and I had a PC and we both were recording on two different gaming headsets in the same room. Yeah. Yeah, those were dumb times. Uh, but the game that we were reviewing was uh, the original, the first Marvel role-playing game. I think it's called, what, Marvel Superheroes Role-Playing? The TSR one? The first mm-hmm. TSR one. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, it was an unusable review. Like we just we spent the entire time trying to like establish our bona fides. Also, we both talked like this at all times. <laughs> it was very important that we enunciated each one of our words correctly, or people would not take us seriously. So that's why you've never heard it, and you never will. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah. But before we get started, we actually have a couple of announcement masteries, as we often do these days, uh, especially these days for the next couple month and a half. Because in January, we are going to raise that price. Right now, it's 50 bucks, and we will read your announcement on the air as long as it's 
couple minutes long and it's easy for us to get at. And you can do that by going to our website, systemmasterypodcast.com and clicking the give us some money button. Just follow the process from there. Uh, so a lot of folks are buying their ads now and you can buy them in advance. I'm not going to stop you. That's and John you can won't do whatever either. you want. Yeah, buy a bunch of them. Bank them. Several people have. We actually have a lot of banked ads now. It's great. Good business for us. But get them in quick because that's going to change prices at the at the uh, dawn of the new year. But John, I know you have one to read. Why don't you take us out first today? Sure thing. Hi everyone. Do you like podcasts? Want to do like I did? <laughs> Try Sid. Get fucked up. Worse than my life is. Sorry. I'm sorry. I am and end this one real hard right out the gate. <laughs> I know. There's vomit on my sweater already. Hi, everyone. Do you like podcasts about tabletop role-playing games? Do you like friendship and wholesomeness? Do you like to listen to two longtime friends joke around and share opinions? Of course you do. Otherwise, how would you be hearing this message right now? Join Adam and Andrew on the Inspiration Point podcast. We talk about game design attitudes at the table and how you can use the power of love to make your experience all the more magical each week we cover a pair of topics which include things like rule of cool harnessing fear in games dm appreciation immersion dialogue and many others we bring both a dm and player's perspective to these topics to help our listeners run or play their best game yet you can check us out on inspiration point dot buzzsprout.com or look us up on apple Podcasts, stitcher spotify or really anywhere else you're gonna find a podcast support our brand new patreon at patreon.com slash inspiration point to become a part of our community and perhaps join a 5e campaign you can also check us out on facebook at facebook.com slash inspiration point podcast and join the community there so look us up on your favorite podcast platform while you're driving, doing chores, getting your steps in, or doing whatever it is you do while listening to podcasts. Inspiration point. The secret ingredient is love. <laughs> I got to give them some credit. Inspiration point is a really good name for a podcast. That's great. Also, they've got that both host name alliteration thing going on that I appreciate. Oh, yeah. You got to have that or else it's just yeah. garbage. Yeah, it falls right apart if you can't do that. That's why we still have Expounded Universe and uh, and Never Tell Me the Pods Collapsed, because they've got different first letters on their names. Yeah, also that would be assonance, not alliteration, but that's fine. Oh, you would be assonance. <laughs> I need some better assonance glasses. <laughs> uh, that sounds awesome. I'm, I'm uh, looking forward to checking it out. And now I have one to read as well. And here I go. This is... The Bolt RPG engine is the result of listening to a bunch of System Mastery episodes, that can't be good, on tragic heartbreakers and going, RIP to them, but I'm different. Hmm. Bolt is a fast, intense action RPG that's built from the ground up to be hacked and homebrewed. It's got the long list of skills, dangerous combat, and specific rule sets hand-waved away that you'd want... Uh, from an old-school RPG, merged with modern tricks like a twin-axis resolution system, diceless action economy, and a stat dedicated to fudging literally every roll. That's kind of cool. I like that. Bolt has already funded on Kickstarter, and it's bolstered by a huge library of indie hacks and setting adaptations. Yeah, there's uh, all these indie hacks. <laughs> uh, from high fantasy to climate punk sci-fi to the inevitable Star Wars ripoff. 
So if you want a moderate crunch RPG engine with a design team as Modius can't sack, check out Bolt. Available for pre-order on Metal Weave Games for thirty-five USD or te- or thirty-five USD or ten USD. I'm gonna have to figure out what that. I'm I'm guessing that's on purpose. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Well, I I I mean I maybe that's I, I, book I, or I, PDF. I assume Ajay does. You could ask him. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, we just He's, read what's in front of us, okay? He's on Twitter. Go right ahead. Get at him. All right, so those are our announcement masteries, and without further ado, I think we should get on with the show. What do you think, John? I think that would, you know, probably be good. That is sort of what we're here to do. Yep, absolutely. So, uh, let's see. We finished reading the 2003 RPG uh, Marvel Universe role-playing just a couple hours ago in my case, and are ready to talk about it. This is a weird one. It's uh, dedicated to being absolutely diceless so which means it's primarily an a resource allocation and management system now when i first heard that this was a diceless system i don't have any preconceptions on what diceless really means outside of you know no dice so i wasn't sure how they were going to handle that if it was just going to all be you know a lot of narrative tricks or things like that uh and then when i heard resource management when you told me that, I was like, oh, okay, I guess that could be interesting. Because, for I mean, I play a lot of you know, very boring Euro board games and worker placement and stuff. Heck and yeah. I was thinking along the lines of like, oh, you only have a certain amount of, you know, options of things you can do. And it's like, oh, you can do like one of them or put your thing over here and do that one or whatever it happens to be. But uh, instead, it's much worse. It's, whoa, good lord, much worse. <laughs> well, this is one of the two games in my in my head that I, I think of when people say diceless RPGs. Now, there are a lot of diceless role-playing games. Whether Usually, it's just that they use another randomization option. Uh, you know, there, we, uh, Numenon used d- d- uh, dominoes. We've seen several that use dice. Uh, you've written one that uses <laughs> cards and a jack-in-the-box. Yes, instead there of dice, even... they use dice. <laughs> Sorry? Uh <laughs> Uh, but what I meant to get at is that there's actually even another Marvel game that doesn't use dice as its main uh, determining factor. The second one published by TSR was a card-based game. Yeah, I know there... <laughs> I've seen at least, I want to say, two other Marvel role-playing games. And Oh, I mentioned it I, I mentioned it in the intro, but there are four. Yeah, but I haven't read the other one. Yeah, uh, well, there's. we've read... You and I have both read at least two. Yes, uh, I can't. I can't speak. This is the third of four. The first one is probably the most famous: the old Marvel superheroes role playing, an old TSR box set game. It had the phase rip system to it, and about a million powers and books and everything. It was moderately successful. Hmm. Uh, the second one is in the Saga engine, just like one of the Star Wars role playing games is from the late life of TSR. Uh, it's card based, but I know very very little about it because I've never actually seen a copy. This is the third, and then around 2013, a fourth episode or a fourth attempt was made at making a Marvel RPG that folded almost as quickly as this one did in about a year. Yeah, and I think that's the other one I've seen. Mm-hmm. So the card one is the one that I have yet to check out. Yeah, and much like the Star Wars Saga edition, you'll have a tough time locating it outside of PDFs. Meh. They just they just sold out really well, and they usually uh, at least Star Wars Saga. I don't own a copy, but I've I've uh 
seen it, and the production values are really nice and high, so it's not surprising that it's hard to find nowadays. Oh, that's interesting, because I'm real nice and high. <laughs> that's not true at all. No, well, it's, it's half not. true. You are fairly nice. Yeah, I am real nice. <laughs> so, like John was saying, this game is not what you expect when you when you come into it. It is... By, I, look, what I was really getting at way, way back in the beginning was the two games I think of as Diceless are this... And Amber Diceless, both mm-hmm. of which kind of work in similar fashion. Uh, you get a number of things that you assign out to various parts of your character stats. And then the winner of any given clash or challenge is just the person with the higher number that they allocated this turn. So you can voluntarily lose in order to win in other areas. Yes. And uh, there is, in the beginning of this book, it, you know... Anytime you do something different from whatever the norm is, they, of course, want to tell you, like, oh, we're not like those other role-playing games. We do things a little differently around here. Oh, boy, yeah. And (laughs) this book is like, oh, don't worry about all those complicated dice rules. This is real simple. And, man, fuck them. They are liars (laughs) and thieves. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It it, def- it does start out with a, like, this ain't your grandma's role-playing game, because we've decided to do away with all the messy randomness and and replace it with a simple, oh, it's so clean, it's so easy to use, and then you read it and you're just like, this is complex, and not only is it complex, but you it, it doesn't work. It, it doesn't work as well as it ought to. No, the amount of math that went into this diceless game was far more than I thought there would be. Again, for some reason, I thought going in, this was going to be much more focused on narrative play. Because anytime I think of something being diceless, I think it's supposed to be, oh, we don't want randomization as much as we want story. And instead it was, no, we just want, you know, fixed numbers, but still a lot of dumb nonsense that goes into everything you do. There's parts of it that I understand what at least what they were like going for. Because one of the core elements of this game is that they really tried to work in as much comic book as they could get away with. So individual scenes in in uh, the narrative are referred to as panels. Uh, a collection of panels is an issue. That kind of stuff. You've, we've seen that in other comic book games that we've talked about before. Uh, but a panel in this game has a very discreet and, rel- uh, and functional meaning to it. It's an opportunity for you to spend your stones, stones being the uh, the resource that you allocate in a resource allocation game, and at the beginning of each panel, you regenerate some stones that you had spent in the previous re- panel. Yeah. So, for, so from turn to turn, you're seeing kind of an interchange of stones coming and going, and the initial example they give you is, you know, it's Cyclops having to blast open a wall or something. And, and it's him, they're like, okay, Cyclops has nine stones at the ready to spend on things. He puts five of them into his powerful optic blast, the most, his signature laser thing, and four more defense. And then he blows the fucking wall away. And I'm like, oh, that sounds rad. That's, that's Marvel shit. Okay, I'm up to speed. Next round, he regenerates three of the nine stones he spent. And I was like, oh, no. Yeah. Uh, uh. <laughs> the, uh, the Exalted Third Edition had a they sort of solved an issue that they had with their resource mechanic of moats in that you regen some every round as well but in that game you started with a giant fuck off pool of it 
and a lot of your abilities were very powerful and didn't cost a lot. In this game, though, it feels like you've got to spend a pretty decent amount every single panel if you want to get anything done, and unless you spend a lot of your opening resources, like character gen-wise, you aren't going to regen a lot, and you're just going to suck ass. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a definitive problem. And the thing is that they use this as a measure of how tired your character is. Like, that's actually the point of the whole stone regeneration mechanic. One of my favorite examples in the book is of uh, the, the character Black Cat uh, cracking a safe. Now, when she goes in to do her safe cracking, she's like, okay, uh, I have a lot of stones in safe crack, in thievery and uh, in the relevant uh, ability score that's connected to this and so on. So I could invest a lot of my resources and crack this safe open, but I'm really worried that if I ingest, invest too much in, in the safe, then if combat breaks out around me, I'll be too tired to participate. And yeah. so she instead goes, okay, I'll put three stones into this a turn and I'll let the other players know it's going to take me like six panels to open this safe. So you guys have to defend me for six panels. And all I could think was, what's the, what does that look like in story terminology where Black Cat, if she cracks a safe too hard, she gets pooped and can't fight? I mean, honestly, even with Cyclops, I'm like, how many times have I ever seen in a comic like, ah, he optic blasts a sentinel and then he gets real tired and sits down and is like, I'm sorry, I can't do that again. One blast a day for me. And Jean yeah, Grey's like, yeah, I know. I absolutely, <laughs> I absolutely get where you're coming from. One of the problems with Marvel heroes is that uh, almost all of them simply have unlimited resources, and the ones that don't, their resources are just a, a source of drama for the story. So you have characters like Iron Man, who is always almost out of batteries, so that you can have some narrative drama, or Spider Man, who only runs out of web fluid when they need to do a story about how he makes it. But the problem is, there's only like mechanics for being tired for throwing out your web fluid rather than running out of it. Cause yes. you'd be like, Oh man, I'm so sleepy now that I've, I don't know, swung twice in New York and <laughs> like you can still shoot it, but now you suck at it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I get the idea. I, I understand what they were going for. I feel like it didn't apply the way they were hoping, or at least didn't come off the way they were hoping. Like, there's also a description of how many people it takes to fly a Shi'ar spaceship. And it's like, oh, they'll need to invest 60 stones a panel just to keep this thing going in a straight line, which is why you'll probably need dozens of crew members. And all I could think was like, what does that mean that you have dozens of exhausted people constantly exhausted from flying a spaceship? I guess. I mean, if... If you look at it and go, oh, we're trying to say we want the baseline level of competency to be whatever your regen is, because you're like, I can do that all day and never really get tired because I'll just get it back the next panel. Then, yeah, And the average, the average among all the sample heroes is a regen rate of about three stones per turn if you're not injured. But the problem with that is it really comes apart when you look at things that are like, oh, it's always based off of one of your stats, which is durability, mm -hmm. uh, with the option of maybe basing it off intelligence if you want to pay a little more. And the durability stat costs three times as much to increase, but it's going to yeah. be your best. Yeah. And it just... 
sure you get some energy out of it but if you want to play sort of normally where you're like oh i'm a regular human or you know marvel regular human you'll probably have a three durability which yeah, means like you daredevil have, has that like nine stones around to spend and you have three health mm-hmm. but for so many characters they have like static defense numbers that you've got to beat as well as you know they're gonna attack you so maybe you want to put some in your defense there's so much stuff to do with your stones in any given round that if you're just trying to be like oh well i'll only spend three around if you do that you are not accomplishing anything unless you are doing a static uh like safe cracking thing where you don't have to worry about it yeah exactly and notably, all of the examples follow this problem. Every example in the game is of a character blowing their fucking wad immediately. Oh, yeah. And, th- and then right at the point where the game would become immensely boring because everyone blew their load already, it just ends the example. Yeah, it's like, ah, uh, these two people meet. Uh, Sabretooth throws all of his stones into an attack, and he went first. He immediately knocks out Cyclops, who can't do anything. Anyway, moving on, you're like, this is the most boring example I've ever seen because both of them were like, I put all nine stones into optic blast. I put 12 stones into attack. Well, Sabretooth went first. So you get fucked. Right. All right. And even if, even if you're in a situation where one of them doesn't automatically win, like one of them's like, I blow all of my, my uh, stones on attack this round. I'm going to murder you. And the other one's like, no, because I put all of my stones into, I don't know, intangibility or something, so your attack goes right through me. Great. Next round, we look like Sa- like Samurai Jack and the Scotsman after being on the bridge for three days. Oh, yeah. Because eh. those are your options. Your options are, all right, you both blow your wad immediately and either knock each other out or the more likely whoever goes first knocks the other person out. Or mm-hmm. if someone's like, ah, I spend 10 on offense, I spend 10 on defense. We both have nothing, and so now we're throwing like two stone attacks at each other that don't do anything and who gives a shit. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Everything devolves into slap fighting. Now there are a number of other abilities as they're called in the game. Uh, Intelligence, strength, agility, speed, and durability. Uh, Durability informs your health stones. Uh, It's they're a one-to-one translation and uh, three times your health stones is the number of energy stones that your character has. That's the number that you can spend on things. uh, As we spoke about earlier, uh, durability seems like it's cost three times as much as all the others, which makes it far and away the most powerful one, uh, because it informs your, your per turn re- regeneration rate of uh, ways to contribute, but you can also purchase a way for intelligence to be the stone, the, or the stone generator instead. Yeah. Now, if you want to make intelligence, your stone generator, you're going to end up paying, a little extra overall, probably, unless you were planning on going super heavy into durability. Because mm-hmm. uh, when you choose to do intelligence, then it means instead of your intelligence being normal cost, the cost for it is now doubled. Mm-hmm. Uh, and durability is still three times. Yeah. Uh, but So you're paying more. Your intelligence, you only get twice your intelligence in stones to start, so you also have a lower max energy than you would on a comparable durability. The only big difference is your regen from durability is 
capped at your current health. So if I have five health, I regen five a turn because I have five durability. If someone hits me and I lose two health and now I have three, I regen three a turn. But with the intelligence, you'll just regen your intelligence every time because there's no, no real can- way to zap your brain. Yeah, you can't get hit in the smarts, so you'll re- you never lose your uh, your starting pool of regen. So you'll notice that almost every one of the example characters in the game who is a top tier Marvel hero has this ability and has like fifteen uh, red stones and regenerates somewhere in the in the six to nine range, making them the most stable, most dependable people. And you know, everyone's always made this joke about Marvel and DC that DC's characters all have like complex backstories and so and marvel characters oh no it's dc characters it's are detectives rich. versus scientists scientists exactly all the all the dc characters are rich detectives all the marvel characters are millionaire scientists yeah and i mean it makes it so that the two most frightening people which makes sense when you think about it are the hulk and mr fantastic because the mm-hmm. hulk has a super high durability. He's got ridiculously high base defense. So he's got, you know, a lot of energy incoming and it's really hard to hurt him to get that down. And then Reed Richards just has an intelligence of nine. So he regens nine every turn. So he can throw a lot of stones at whatever he's doing and not worry about it. So the basic mechanic of how the game operates is that your your character sheet has a couple of like boxes in it. There's an action box and there's a sort of prep box where you put your stones that you haven't spent yet. When you want to do something, let's say, for example, you would like to punch a person. Uh, this is using the ability close combat. Uh, you'll check your ability close combat first and see how many uh, sto- or uh, your action number. That's the number of stones that you can put in it. Uh, based on that so if you have a close combat rating of five you can put five stones in there and with uh close combat and several other actions that you can take they come baseline with a bonus so for close combat when you pick that you pick a uh one of your stats and you decide Mm -hmm. all right this is how i close combat so you could say all right i'm gonna use strength because i'm a beater or I'm going to use agility because I'm Spider-Man or whatever it is. You're going to then be able to, because that is a bonus to it. If your close combat was four, you'd normally be able to spend four, but it comes with a bonus of whatever ability. So if you chose agility and you have four agility, you can also spend those four. So you could spend a total of eight. Yeah. Now it's still spending eight. It's not that your agility is added as free stones out of nowhere. It just increases the maximum number of stones that you're allowed to invest in that that one use of an action during your panel. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, note that that isn't the case with every one of the actions that you can purchase in the game. Now, action is a fairly broad term in this. It describes everything you would think of as skills, uh, combat abilities, superpowers, magic. All of those things are actions, and they're purchased as actions. Yeah, so uh, in the same way that you would get say, your close combat or your social skills, you're also going to get things like flight and laser beams. Mm -hmm. And they're costed effectively the same. Some of the more expensive abilities to purchase in the game are not superpowers. They're just things like being good at inventing. So, I mean, I guess that's a superpower if you're Forge. I mean, yeah, or 
you know, Mr. Fantastic or in Dr. Doom or any of the ones that actually invest in it. <laughs> yeah, but I still don't think that's a superpower for Mr. Fantastic. He's not he's not uh, smart because of his powers. He's he's just ultra smart in general. I mean, right? he has that, powers right? I mean, he's because he's super smart. I thought he had powers because he's super smart, but also kind of dumb. Well, he's super smart, but also an asshole is yeah, the, there you go. the big thing. <laughs> so, so okay. Uh, not all of the powers that you can purchase are going to come with those stat mods. So even if you think they would make perfect sense with them too, like take, for example, Cyclops's eye lasers. Uh, they do not come with any one of his stats added as a purchase ability. Uh, however, if you just want to shoot guns, they do. They come with an agility mod built in automatically. Well, no. Range combat comes with a weapon modifier, Oh, thank you. Yes. Sorry about that. It comes to the weapon modifier, which allows you to add the additional stones equivalent to whatever the modifier on your listed weapon from the item category is. The weird thing with the weapon modifier, though, is that is added automatically unlike a stat bonus. Yeah, those are free stones out of nowhere. Now, that still ends up being the same point I was trying to make in the first place, which is that uh, guns are better than Cyclops. Pretty much, because Cyclops can shoot one big blast at nine stones. Now, if I have a, let's say, a ranged combat of five, I'm pretty decent at ranged combat. And uh, I have a custom badass pistol. Uh, Mystique has this, a plus four pistol. Right. Sure, I can only put five stones in there, but I get four automatically, which means mm -hmm. I can, for five stones, have the exact same level of attack as Cyclops's very best blast, and I spend four less, and once we've done that, he is now, like, maximum going to be able to shoot next turn a three blast, whereas I can, for one stone, shoot a five. It is yep. dumb. Yeah, they did not think it through at all, and also it's way cheaper. Uh, Cyclops' optic blast, and, and uh, characters in this game have a starting reserve of 40 white stones to spend, and they can be turned into red stones on a one to three rate. Uh, but don't worry about that. That's not really that important. Uh, Cyclops' Optic Blast costs 25 starting character points. 25 of 40. Because uh, it's just very expensive to get your laser blast up to that level of damage. Uh, that gun skill that John was mentioning earlier, that would cost, I think, 9 stones. Well, if you wanted to... get to, to 5 rank. I was, if so you that got gives you a, to 5 rank, idea that of, cost... Of, uh, they, they, didn't, they didn't really they didn't do a very good job. No, the the five in ranged combat would cost you three stones. Ah, there you go. It's even worse than I thought. Yeah. Now, the costs for things, there is a chart. Mm -hmm. uh, the chart goes for a number one through ten, and it tells you how much it costs of your starting stones in order to do it. Now, right. it's very cheap, even all the way up to like a six or a seven in something, because... Like, having a three in something costs one white stone out of your 40. So it's right. fairly cheap as long as what you're getting is a baseline, uh, like, cost level. So something like close combat, ranged combat, they have no modifiers. But if I want to get a power that's like, oh, I have flight, just a mm -hmm. standard superhero ability, that yeah. is the action number plus two levels which yep. means whatever you want to buy it at, you're actually buying it at too higher for the cost. So if you wanted to get flight at a six, 
Normally it would cost you four, but you're paying the eight cost, which is nine. Yeah, that, that sentence made a lot of sense, and I'm sure it confused nobody. Yeah, and that's this game where I was like, <laughs> go through. How do I do this? Oh, well, your six is four, but if you want that, it's eight for nine. And you're like, I don't, what did you, fucking game? God damn it. I think my favorite thing about Flight, by the way, is that they use the explanation of uh, how cheap it is as a backfill explanation for why there are so many flying superheroes in the Marvel Universe. Well, the weird they, thing they, is, <laughs> it has like, oh, it's minus one to the cost level if it fits with your main power. Yeah, yeah. Which ultimately just means you're just going to come up with some sort of convoluted excuse that of course it does. Or, if you're smart, you'll just say flight is my main power. Yeah, and it really fits in with it. Yeah. I'm you know angel. Works great with, you know what works <laughs> great with flight? Flying. It, the ability to fly. Huh? <laughs> I'm cannonball. I can fly. Also, I'm nigh invulnerable, but that's secondary. While I'm blasting. <laughs> Let me just point that out. It's while I'm blasting. Uh. Uh, you can build powers this way, because for each power that you purchase, uh, you can purchase all kinds of uh, advantages and hindrances to that power that are going to increase or decrease the rank level at which you have to purchase it. So, for example, if you want uh, to increase the range of it, that increase you can increase it by one range band. I think there are, what, five total range bands? Uh, you can increase it by one range band for raising the rank by one. Uh, yeah. Similarly, if you want to make it so the power is out of control unless you have some kind of device, say, for example, Cyclops's famous visor, uh, then that would reduce the cost by two ranks. Yeah, now that's how you're going to get, you know, a power that is normally very expensive. You're going to have to almost certainly throw a disadvantage or two on there just to be able to really afford it at any reasonable rate. But uh, if you want to do high-end weird nonsense, the advantages you can get where it adds like plus five or six to the level is mm -hmm. uh, things like adding the ability to use an ability bonus for something. So if I wanted to add in my agility as a bonus to my ranged combat so that I can use a weapon modifier and my agility, then that costs me plus five levels to whatever my ranged combat is. I had a really hard time justifying... I mean, both of us have already made our characters for this game for the bonus content, largely because it was really important to being able to understand any of this. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, that one I had a hard time coming up with any reason you'd be willing to do that, because at a certain point you're like, okay, well, it adds five ranks I have to purchase. Why don't I just buy it five ranks higher? Hmm. That'll hmm. also increase the number of dice I can spend in it by five. I guess it's it's literally only in the situation where you're like, well, this is as high rank as I can get it. I'll now make it even more expensive so I can add my agility or something to it. I mean, it's almost only useful if you're talking about i have a stat that is over five because at that point you're like okay well i can buy this at let's say i've got an agility of eight i'm ridiculously mm -hmm. agile like, all right mm -hmm. well i'll buy this ability at one and then add five to it so now it costs four stones for that total and I have the ability to put nine of my energy into it. Yeah. Whereas and don't I, worry too much. This uh, is uh, this is all sounding like complicated nonsense, but don't worry. We will sum it up. 
in addition to your advantages and disadvantages that you can put on powers if you want to mess with your total uh, allocated ability to do stuff, your 40 stones to spend. Also, the fact that they call everything in this a fucking stone is part of the reason it's so confusing. Yeah, because there's multiple kinds of stones, and so you're constantly hearing things like, you, you you put one of your stones of defense into your stones of energy category. Yeah, because you have white and red stones, but white stones are health and red stones are energy, but also when you make a character, you have white stones in order to buy things, and red stones are one-third of a white stone. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, uh. every character has to have, in addition, a challenge, and mm-hmm. that is... Your standard uh, disadvantage from an RPG where it'd be like, oh, I, you know, I'm missing my eyes, I'm blind, or I've got some sort of chronic condition or a compulsion or whatever. And right. y- you have to pick at least one because they're like it's Marvel. Yeah, they're like every character has to have some flaw. Uh, yeah, that's a that's a Marvel thing. They, they've always said that their characters are flawed. Every single one of the Marvel characters has some problem that they can use as a hook for storytelling. Oh, yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter who you are, whether it's, you know, Tony Stark's alcoholism or just being a mutant in general. There's something going on. Yeah, you've got a problem. Uh, there's, there are just sort of easy things that you can use to pick up extra stones to spend though. So for example, if you're thinking of super simple characters where you wouldn't even understand what their flaw is, usually it's something like won't break the law or has some minor psychological restriction. Oh Uh, yeah. In some case, in some cases you're going to turn it into advantages anyway. Like I know daredevils is that he's deaf because that's listed right here. Uh, but no, but I wouldn't blind. even say that's his... Di- sorry, he's <laughs> blind. Excuse me. I said the wrong word. Uh, but he's... I, I wouldn't even say that's really his disadvantage. His disadvantage is that he's painfully Catholic and he's constantly willing to hurt himself. I mean, I would also put that in there. Yeah. The the thing is, the, the stuff like, oh, lose a sense or having a minor disability or even like uh, you have restricted movement, like you're in a wheelchair like Professor X... All mm-hmm. of these are worth various amounts of stones, but they don't change anything mechanically. If I say, uh, I, I'm blind, I can go ahead and say, okay, great. Uh, that doesn't change any of my abilities, doesn't, yeah, doesn't change my stats. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, hey, I got four free stones for saying my character has something. I think one of my favorite examples in here, there's one for inhuman appearance or looking non-human, uh, and they give it to Mystique at three, which is kind of funny because obviously that doesn't affect her in the slightest, but they also give it to Gambit at two, and I'm I, I, I'm trying to figure out what the hell they're talking about. Red I, is eyes. It because it's because he's got those black slayer red eyes sometimes, right? Because there's all kinds of pictures of him where he doesn't have that. Yeah, I mean, normally he is supposed to have weird red eyes, like at all yeah. times. No, he's got black slara and red pupils. That's supposed to be his thing, uh, which means that his his inhuman looks and two extra stones can be defeated by, like, sunglasses. Well, yeah. I mean, the sample character that they make in this when they're like, let's put it all together and make a character is a mutant that has the mystique level of not looking human and then just bought shapeshifting at, like, one stone to go, oh, and then he can just look normal. <laughs> right. 
I guess, you know, ultimately we do have to take into account the era that this book is from. Because I've I've seen uh, renditions of Gambit where the, the red eyes thing is something you know where he means business because he's turned his powers on. Yeah, I do think I've seen stuff where it's like, eyes. ooh, he's charging, which means he's got red eyes. Yeah. <laughs> and to, to give you an idea of that, by the way, as a, a really quick aside, uh, this is from around 2003, which means you're getting a lot of um, like Frank Quitely art. God, the Morrison run on X-Men shows up a few times in this book. And God, that art is but ugly. <laughs> it's challenging because you get some pictures of like classic, you know, the, the Cyclops you want to look at with the, the leather jacket and the yellow straps and all that. But then also there's some of those Morrison era Cyclops where he's got like the puffy yellow half jacket and the turtleneck and just like 12 different X's on him. Yeah, or my favorite picture of Wolverine I've ever seen, where he looks like a chubby little Greek dude doing kissy face. And if he didn't have the claws out, you'd have no idea who that is. <laughs> yeah. Because that's, that's just Frank Quietly's Wolverine. Uh, you, there's a lot of character art in this where you're like, oh, God, 2003. That's the most boring era for Loki, among other things. But also, there are some... Real wide boys in this. There is a picture of Cyclops in here. Oh, yeah. Where he, he looks is squashed. He is just like, good Lord, man. You're not. That's not even muscle anymore. You just you look like one of those stress balls where like goo comes through a like fish netting. It's just lumpy. Yeah, no, he's got some serious chalk is what's happening. And I swear it's because that picture was stretched to fit. And they also have a picture that is definitely not stretched to fit of Magneto that looks just as much like that. Where you're like, oh, good <laughs> Lord, you're supposed to be like an old man, but you are wider than you are tall. What is going on? How is your superpower gains? I think one of my favorite things to do while flipping, because there's a section in the middle of this book that's just, I mean, it's made by Marvel Comics directly. That's actually the publisher of this RPG. And there's a section in the middle that's just, hey, here's 40 current superheroes from the 2003 Marvel era. And it's really fun to go through and look at that list and just be like, oh, gosh, let's 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 see what was going on in comics in exactly 2003. Hmm. Why is Rogue wearing a red outfit? What's going on there? How come Thor has one golden arm? What is he on? Kit Quibi? Uh, what's going I don't understand what was going on in Thor's life at that time. <laughs> It's great. I love it. It's uh, it, it's just a good time. It's one of the most fun things you could do. Oh, but this is also the era of um, X-Force Mystique. So Mystique looks like she's just bedecked in guns and walkie-talkies. Mm. And Punisher at this era had Superman hair and a perfect nude bodysuit. Mm, delicious. This is before they realized that if you dress him like a superhero, he looks ridiculous. He needs to be drip dressed like a pissed off old guy. Yeah. Anyway, back to the rules. So there are all of these things that you can spend your starting stones on. Uh, so you can get your powers at whatever levels you want. It's also essentially your skills. Mm -hmm. And there are they split them up because they split magic off from your standard abilities. Yeah, there are four for categories. For some reason. Um yeah, there are four. Magic's a category, which honestly, it absolutely should not be a category. It should have just been trappings. It should have been like, 
What's Doctor Strange have? I don't know. Flight, teleportation, force blasts. Because if you purchase the stuff that Doctor Strange has, you get everyone else's powers too. Yeah. And that's, that, that seems to just be how magic works. If you purchase the base level power that Doctor Strange has, it comes with like time alteration and uh, force blasts and flight and teleportation and force fields and invisibility. And it's cheap. It costs the same as purchasing like super invention. Yeah. Mastery of magic is only a plus two to your level, which makes it the same as just getting flight. But yeah. you get force blasts, a static all the time on magic defense. So if someone else tries to cast a spell on you, you get auto defense, you get illusions, you get uh, the ability to travel, you get the ability to do magic research as a skill. You get yeah. all and of it these unlocks. things. You have to buy it before you can buy the rest of the magic skills, because there are three other magic abilities. Uh, enhanced magic travel, uh, enchantment, and summoning. Oh, I'm sorry, necromancy, not enchantment. Uh, summoning is weird because it gets more co uh, page space dedicated to it than any other ability in this whole game, and yet I can't name a Marvel summoner uh... that isn't just a fiat bad guy. I mean, yeah, Shumagorath can open up a portal and drop out many angled ones or whatever the fuck, but that's not the kind of shit you need to stat out. No, I mean, Dormammu summoning in the Mindless Ones isn't really something where you're like, ah, yes, his famous power of summoning. It's mostly just... Ah, yes, his goons. Yeah, he's just like an extinction event level villain. His deal is just that he can summon his goons instead of having them arrive via a nearby car with yeah. like the villain's logo on it or something. But it gets so much page space, and eventually they try to justify it by being like, well, actually, Doctor Strange is a competent summoner. It's just that every time you hear him say, like, you know, by the hoary host of Hoggoth or whatever, he's invoking the power of Hoggoth. That's summoning. I mean, the example they give is him just being like, oh, part of summoning is also the binding of whatever you summon. So someone else summoned a thing and he binds it with his summoning. That's true. There, there are two examples given of summoning mechanics, both Doctor Strange stuff. One of them is some villain, probably Mephisto or Blackheart or something, summoned a, a demon. And so he summons a counter demon to fight that demon while he goes off to fight the guy who summoned the demon which feels like a colossal waste of time and resources. No, no, he just uses his summoning to bind someone it. and uh, using the crimson bands of Ciderac to hold them in place. He just ev evokes Ciderac, whose whole deal, I guess, is uh, crimson bands that hold people in place and giving gems to Juggernaut. Oh, yeah. Well, his whole thing is red. Yeah. Now, in the power list, a lot... It, this is something I, I thought was really weird. In the power list, there are a weird mix between generic powers and exceptionally specific. It's obvious who they took this from powers. So for yeah. example, Iceman, Storm, uh, Human Torch, uh, and a, a few other characters all have the same power, mastery. They just have different elements for it, but it's the same power. Uh, by the same token, Havoc and, and Cyclops have the same power. Force Blasts. Uh, you can build Force Blasts to do just about anything, because you can attach all kinds of riders to them with the advantage and disadvantage system. Uh, but, for some reason, Jubilee's fireworks are their own thing. Which is uh, so weird that they were like, well, we have a power for shooting blasts of stuff. We should also make one that's j just fireworks. What? And then they even tell us uh, that the, the difference with firework power is if you fire off your fireworks and the enemies run away, you can go over there and get your fireworks again and have those points back. 
<sighs> that's the that's the difference. But they couldn't just build that as a rider into the Force Blast ability. Uh, by the same token, Scarlet Witch's Hex Blasts are their own whole fucking thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, for no reason. They're just Force Blasts that have a chaos effect when they hit, so they might do something at random. Easily converted into a one-sentence rider attached to the Force Blast engine. They didn't because Cycl- or, or because uh, Scarlet Witch's power is famous. Yeah. And there- you see this in the last category of stuff you get, which is instead of abilities or magic, it's just modifiers. And mm-hmm. some of them, it makes sense. Like if you go, I have an adamantium skeleton. There's no sliding scale of skeleton. It just costs me three stones and I have a skeleton. Same thing with Blob's immovability. Three white yep. stones, you're immovable. But then you have animal senses. So basically Wolverine or Sabretooth's ability to smell or hear things Mm-hmm. In a heightened fashion, it's yeah. it's the same thing. You buy it up for a modifier number, but for some reason, this is uh, not a power. It's it's the weirdest thing. I would say one of the weirdest notable things in this book is that they took this. There's this section just called modifiers that's supposed to be static qualities. It's not. There's powers in there for no good reason. But also, they fully took Wolverine and parted him out into this quality section, this modifier section. Oh, yeah. The first four powers in here are all Wolverine stuff, and then you go a little farther and find his last power. Yeah. All of his powers are in this section instead. I I don't know why, but it, they just took him apart and stuck those bits here instead. And Blob's power for immovability is here, but Juggernaut's power for unstoppability is a regular power. Yeah. For some it's reason, almost like th- healing factor is a modifier and not just a power you have. Yeah, and so is even better healing factor, which is a different modifier you could purchase. Uh, I don't know why these are two different categories. It's there is a, there is a fourth, by the way. Power armor is more or less an additional category of powers or of uh, abilities that you can purchase. Power armor, God. Okay, you know what? Time to break the game. <laughs> power armor, because of course they're like, oh well, we need to represent that for the characters like you know, Tony Stark or War Machine that have a suit of armor because if you're like, oh, I'm walking around as Tony Stark, you're not going to have access to all of the powers you would if you're in your Iron Man suit. Okay, sure. So you have to Mm -hmm. build the suit. The suit itself has a lot of things that you have to buy as far as stats go. So like, you can have a thing where like, oh, I'm a one strength guy, but I bought you know, five strength for my power armor. Great. Uh-huh. It's cheaper than it would be for buying your stats as a person because they're like, well, you have to make a person and then you have to make power armor. So, you know, whatever stats you buy for power armor, it's half as expensive as it would be for buying them as a human. Yeah, sure. which obviously their thought when they were doing this was, oh, you know, it's not like T'Challa is... Uh, a, uh, a total scrub outside of his suit, so he'll probably invest heavily in being a badass in and out of the Black Panther armor. Yeah, and I mean, you also are going to invest pretty heavily in, say, you know, Tony Stark's going to have a very high intelligence, he's going to have, you know, basically twos and threes in most of his other things, he's fairly competent, he's going to have mm-hmm. skills that he's going to want to buy, so even though he doesn't have, like, superpowers that you're spending on him, you're still going to make a character, and then you have to make 
the armor and you have to buy these stats up. Cause if you were like, my strength is three, but I have an arm or my armor strength is one. I'm weaker in my armor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so but here's the problem with this all, all, all in all. Oh, and there's one more thing about it that's really neat, which is uh, y- there's a big list of powers you can purchase that are just purchased at discounts if they're in power armor. Uh, things like tendrils or uh, illusion projection. I, I don't know why, but that's one of them. Uh, uh, energy blasts, ranged combat can all be purchased at a, a uh, advantageous cost if you're in any suit of power armor at all. Yeah, and they're they're trying to say, okay, we're going to give you a little bit of a benefit because it is possible to catch you out. Like you can't ever catch Cyclops without him having eye beams. But if you catch Tony Stark, he doesn't have repulsor blasts normally. So they're yeah. like, we'll give you a discount. Yeah. And the, I guess the other part of the idea is that they're trying to drive the narrative of what power armor characters usually look like. They, you know, your war machine, they've got guns all over them and they can fly. Like that's basically the point of the power armor character. So they're like, well, I'll drive the narrative by giving you a reward for building like one of those. But there's a point where it falls apart. And that point is robots. God damn it. I was reading the power armor section and I went, oh, that's that's pretty interesting. It's neat that they give you some discounts. You know, if you were building, I'm a regular guy who then like Tony Stark gave armor to, you'd have a lot of extra points because you wouldn't have to spend it on yourself. Cool. But then you get to robot and robot is just, you build a character the same way you would power armor, but that's your character. Yep. Which means you build a character where all the stats are half off and they get a suite of bonus powers that they can choose from at lower costs and that's it. There no no penalties, no moral. Everyone loses. Yeah. If you want a I character to day, be, sir. If you want a character to be good, make them a robot and then just do whatever you were gonna do anyway. Yeah, yeah, and don't worry about it. There's precedent. I mean, ultimately you could just say that you're any one of the number of robot versions of regular characters that are common throughout the Marvel universe. Perhaps you're the Mighty Vision, or that one Wolverine robot that's always been around. <laughs> I mean, the fact that they say in Power Armor that they're like, oh, you can technically have other powers that aren't listed here. That's the main problem. If they had said power armor is only available to take like these lists of powers, you'd at least be limited in what you could make as a robot. But you're not. If you want to just be like, what are you? Oh, I wanted to make, I don't know, uh, Cyclops, but a robot. Oh, I'm better than Nothing Cyclops. Stopping then. you. <laughs> Yeah, you're better than Cyclops because your stats cost cost half as much. And also, I can choose Laser Blast, and it costs me less than it did for Cyclops, so go fuck yourself, my dude. <laughs> yep. Uh, and, and there's literally nothing stopping you from, from doing, like, uh, you can make a Doctor Strange robot who is a better magician than Doctor Strange, because you simply have more dice, or, excuse me, more stones to allocate. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> I just, I don't understand, do they just think no one would want to play as robots? I I don't know because robot is put in there as like a paragraph right at the end of power armor. And I'm like, oh, someone did not think that through at all. They just went, oh, shit, we have to we have to put robots in here because there are characters that are robots. OK, sure. Whatever. If you're a robot, just build them like you would power armor and did not think about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a real it's a really weird misstep. <laughs> Which is odd because that, they have the bionic and cybernetic enhancement as well in the whole power armor thing. And they just say, oh, if you lost that, 
it doesn't matter. You're just like, that's what it is based on whatever your ability is. So if you buy a four in strength and you want to say it's because you have a cyber arm, that's what you have. You don't have to worry about it. And instead of doing that for robot, they decided to make it better. Yeah, it's weird. You get the idea that, that that they had that thought because of, you know, like Winter Soldier or something where they're like, well, does he need to buy a bunch of points in robot arm? No, he just bought extra strength and says it's because of a robot arm. Yeah. It's fine. It doesn't matter. Uh, now, after all of that, we get into a couple more baffling sections. Uh, first of all, there are the two examples of play and combat. Uh, these are the longest form examples of play in the game. One of them features a battle between... I believe it's Jean Grey and Cyclops versus Mystique and Sabretooth. Mm-hmm. And in this one, it just tells us that ranged combat is better than mar- melee combat. Don't build for melee combat. Well, I mean, that's what it tells us for Blob versus Gambit as well. Yeah. Well, that one's even worse. Let's start with that one. The Blob and Gambit fight, uh, it starts with, what if Gambit tried to go up and punch the Blob? Uh, he he uses his dismal melee attack abilities, and Blob gets to just t- take no damage from that and beat him into the dirt immediately. Yeah, it's like, what happens? Oh, he throws a card uh, in melee range, and ow, it kind of hurts. Anyway, the Blob punches him for like 27, and he, he explodes. And by that, I mean, is knocked unconscious. Uh, it's because the Blob has an incredible amount of toughness and an incredible amount of uh, durability. He's the Blob, so he's got like... I think he has like a nine durability and a 27 uh, energy stones to spend. He's got a lot of that. That's his one thing is stick to Yeah, I um, wish he had that. The highest durability in this game is an eight for Silver Surfer. Oh, very good. Well, I, I, I think it's his health stones that are unusually high. He purchased a lot of toughness, not health stones, excuse me, energy stones. God, this game. But anyway, let's go on to the what happens if it's ranged combat. Okay, well, in this case, Gambit throws a bunch of cards at him, and he invests a couple of stones in defense. Then, because uh, it's not like old Fred J. Dukes doesn't have ranged attacks, he picks up a chair and throws it at Gambit. But Gambit takes his two stones of defense, and it easily defeats this 14-stone thrown attack coming in by diving behind a dumpster. To be fair, no. Yeah. <laughs> no. The Please, first tell one the story, is- then. He tries to swing close combat, but can't get next to him because he spends oh, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. 12 stones on close combat, but Gambit spends like two to walk backwards and Blob can't catch up, which at least yes. sort of makes sense for the narrative to be like Blob's very slow and Gambit is quick. Mm-hmm. But when he throws the chair, it's like, oh, yeah, he throws it with three stones. Okay. Uh, Gambit has two stones of defense, but he went first and jumped behind a dumpster, which gave him plus two situational defense. And you think, okay, a situational defense modifier, that's fine. He'll not get hit by it. But then right afterwards, it says, oh, and by the way, it doesn't matter because even if he had hit him, he's behind a dumpster. So it would just hit the dumpster. Right, which means that you can just narrate your way out of problems by investing any amount of stones and then just being like, well, if I'm faster than you, then I just say I hide behind something and it doesn't matter what you roll. My no amount of defense dice beats your any amount of offense dice. Yeah, you don't have to put anything into defense. You just have to go, uh, all right, I do a max attack on you and then I say that I, I don't know, walk behind a wall. <laughs> yeah. 
And they're like, okay, well, I guess it's my turn. Uh, can I invest in walking around the wall and seeing you on the other side? No, apparently not, because that's not mentioned in the example. You have to throw your chair at the wall and watch it not do anything. Well, the problem is you have to invest before you see whatever anyone's doing. The resolution system in this is just gambling and betting that you know what they're going to do because right. you're going to put your stones into something. They're going to put theirs into something. And mm -hmm. it's the, it's why you can do something like Gambit throws a card and he put like one stone in speed to walk away and Blob didn't put any stones into speed, so he just swings at air. Right. Okay. I, I guess the idea is supposed to be that the example is of a fight against an exceptionally stupid Blob, who, even though he has like 14 stones to throw around, never invests any in chasing anybody. Yeah. It. I mean, he is... You can only invest as many stones in something as you have for the limit, his speed is one, so it's not like he's exactly going to catch up to anyone very quickly. No, and I get that. And, you know, it's kind of thematic for the blob to be like, I'm not the fastest. I mostly just stand in place. Except that's never been the way he's portrayed in comics. He's usually flying through the air for some reason. Well, the big thing with this is Gambit, Gambit throws a card and it fucking blasts like four out of the six health that he has away. And you're like, yeah, that's, and that's not bullshit. ever happened. Yeah. That's the thing. They're like, the uh, blobs four dot or four stones and toughness don't even begin to matter here. And I'm like, then he didn't invest the right amount of stones and toughness. He's the blob. Yeah. The, po I mean, the, the point of the blob is that it's hard to put him down. Yeah. The highest toughness in the game is the Hulk at eight, which means mm -hmm. he just gets eight defense that he doesn't have to pay for. But if you beat that and he didn't put any stones in defense, then I can take a pistol and shoot the Hulk and be like, ha ha, that hurt you a lot. Yeah, yeah. The other example is not only weird, but also pretty much out of character. Uh, it plays through pretty much straightforward. First of all, it again shows what happens if Sabretooth gets the drop on Cyclops in close combat. But right away, it jumps to this ranged version where... Uh, <laughs> uh, Jean Grey just mind controls Sabretooth. She just beats him with a mind control roll, and now he's mind controlled. And next round, she just uh, maintains the mind control on him, and then also mind controls Mystique. Fight over. Yeah, they they really show that they're like, oh yeah, here's several instances of someone gets into a fight, and ooh, you gotta beat these numbers, and man, you might get punched or whatever, and then they go, Anyway, Jean Grey says you're out of the fight and you're out of the fight and there's nothing you can do about it. You can't even yeah. spend stones to try and stop me. There's no attempt to break the mind control. There's no need to reestablish it. It's one stone per turn to maintain it. And if you maintain it, that character just fucking stands there. Yep. I mean, I guess if you really want to be like, yeah, man, fuck it. Professor X shows up and just goes, nah, all of you stop. Sure. Sure. That's in character for Professor X. Gene never does that. Oh, I know. It's very dumb that they put that as part of telepathy. The power is also mesmerism. Well, yeah. Uh, the uh, the telekinesis and telepathy power sets both come with a lot of powers that are very clearly just stuff that Gene Grey can do. 
Like, they didn't think too much about if that's a general power that would make sense. They were just like, list every one of the stunts we've ever seen Jean Grey do. Put them in telepathy and telekinesis, because she has the powers of telepathy and telekinesis. <laughs> and, you know, when you establish, when you look at them closely, you're like, a lot of those aren't either of those things. You've just, you've decided to backdate and say that because Jean Grey has telepathy and telekinesis, those powers just have a million applications, instead of acknowledging, as you should have, that she actually has a lot of powers in this engine. Hmm. <laughs> Nope. Don't worry about it. We just mashed them all together. Here's a whole power that's just called Stuff Psylocke Can Do. Actually, oh. that's that's not true. Psylocke's power is in here. It's called Psy Weaponry, and it doesn't do anything that Psylocke's power does <laughs> other than summoning weapons. Uh, I'm just, I can't get over the fact that telepathy is also ridiculously cheap. It is costed at straight action number, no penalty to like, you have to pay more. And mm -hmm. that's it. That's all. You can yeah, just do no. that. Yeah. Considering that, that fireworks, for example, the Jubilee power is is uh, rank plus two base. Uh, it, it doesn't make it. I don't know what the hell they were doing. It's anyway, John, just bad. There's, before we get into the end, and I, I know we're really close to being done here. I know you, you definitely wanted to mention the gear system a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so in this game... <laughs> Wealth is also one of the things you can buy. So you can get a wealth score in case you're like, oh, I want to be, you know, Tony Stark or Doctor Doom or any of the rich fellows. Every single Marvel character, yeah. Uh, it is fairly cheap to get a lot of money. You can be a millionaire for, like, a couple white stones at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And that helps you... Uh, in power armor, you get a little extra stones to spend if you have money. But also, there is a gear list that has a price tag for it for certain things. Now, mm -hmm. items, uh, as we mentioned with the whole weapon modifier thing in range combat, whatever their modifier is just gets added without you having to spend anything. So yeah. if I have a baseball bat, it has a weapon modifier of plus one, so if I do a close combat with a baseball bat, I just get a free stone on my attack. Great. Mm -hmm. You can get a custom rifle or a custom pistol for, like, plus four to your attack, and there's no damage stat in this game. There's just how accurate it is, and then occasionally... Uh, things will have like, this does times two damage or times three. A yep. base pistol comes with times two damage. Mm -hmm. You can get it as a plus four. I, I don't know how much more I can drive home the fact that <laughs> you don't have to like spend character resources on this. You can just go, oh, instead of having to spend, you know, 15, 20 stones on a laser blast, I have a laser gun, and it's better than a laser blast, and it didn't cost me anything. <laughs> and I guess the idea is supposed to be that it can get taken away from you. I guess. I I, I assume, but then again, uh, every like uh, it doesn't cost anything to use it. So the the mechanic of I guess you could lose your pistol from time to time is pretty heavily balanced out by how much better it is. Especially because to fire a laser blast, you're spending nine stones. To fire a nine stone shot out of a gun, it usually costs you four or five. Yeah, they don't have the 
cost for a lot of things in here. Uh, they do allow you to be like, oh, I'll uh, spend white stones to get unique equipment. So if you wanted to be like, I've got, say, Green Goblin's Glider. That would be something where you could spend stones on that and it would just be a an equipment, but not just something you can buy normally. But Which like, is so weird because you'd think you'd just make that a power and be like, oh yeah, my character is the Green Goblin, so he, one of his powers is flight and the flight is represented by that glider thing. Yeah, but no. I, I guess because the idea is that you can take it away from him, but that doesn't make for very interesting narrative gameplay. It'd be it, it, it would be a lot simpler to be like, oh yeah, if you get knocked off it, you can you lose a turn of of uh, being having the flight power. But obviously, you're the Green Goblin. You're going to whistle and it's going to come flying back over. Yeah. Now, <laughs> the interesting thing here is an energy weapon, which if you get an energy weapon, it gives you an automatic six extra stones to whatever you're doing, and has. Uh, almost three times as much of the range as a regular gun. So if you're like, what are you? I am a dude with a laser gun. I'm the deadliest motherfucker around. Yeah. Now, the question I have from that is, I, I'm pretty sure that uh, Thor's hammer is indeed statted out in this game as an item that he has. Yes. Uh, if you go as to Thor, he has Mjolnir in his stat block. Now, is the Silver Surfer's surfboard in the same way? Is it a statted out item, or is it just wrapped up in his powers? Uh, for the Silver Surfer, I think they gave him a surfboard as equipment, and it just gives him uh, plus 10 free stones of flight. <laughs> God, okay, sure. Yeah, you're right. There it is. Flight at, pl at 10 plus. It's indestructible. And it's psionically linked with his mind. I mean, there's a lot of things in the game where you look at it and you're like, fuck, equipment is amazing. Uh, Captain America, his shield is a plus six equipment that you can use for either close combat, ranged combat, or defense. It's armor piercing, and it can hit multiple targets and return to the thrower. Right. So, God, whatever he wants to do, he gets an automatic plus six to it. Yeah. So anyway, I think we've probably talked about as long as we possibly can about this weird game. We've gotten into the art. Uh, there's an adventure in the back, but I think we can probably skip over it and be happy. Uh, you want to get into your favorites and least favorites? Let's do it. Sure, John. Why don't you tell me what your favorite thing is about this game? Sorry, I'm looking at that picture of Wolverine again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, kissy face Wolverine. He's your short king, John. <laughs> <laughs> I believe you dropped this king. <laughs> hey buddy you want to do make outs i am the wolverine <laughs> i'd say my favorite thing in this is the idea of the resource allocation instead of dice i mm -hmm. like the like you've got a pool of resources you can shift them around to do however like whatever thing you want to do for that turn that's a good idea of how to do a diceless game. Yeah, absolutely. Caveat. Uh, it, having it being a gambling... Well, you know what? I, I was going to think the same thing today. But my, my favorite thing has my least favorite thing baked into it as well. Yeah, sure. But go ahead. What's your, cave, what's your caveat? Oh, I mean, the caveat is that this game sucks at it, but... <laughs> what is your favorite say, thing? My favorite thing about this game is power creation. I think it's really neat the way that they were like, all right, you can take any power... 
add chunks to it, build hindrances into it, and so on, until it resembles the power of your favorite Marvel hero. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was kind of clever, that they, they really thought it out. They they have examples for almost everybody. To the, it, With some hilarious failures where there's powers that are so obscure that they don't have any, they couldn't think of anyone to assign them to. Witchcraft is one of the spell types you can buy in this game, and the example is of a made-up new character because there aren't Marvel witches, really. <laughs> so, I mean, I really like that. I think it's really neat that they... Uh, that they went out of their way to try and build it so that you can build complex characters with complex power sets from a kind of toolkit assembly stage. I like that. What's your mm-hmm. least favorite thing? Oh, my least favorite thing in this is that reading through this with any amount of a critical eye towards like math at all or how things can shake out, you come to the conclusion of, there are certain things that are winners or losers in this game. I mean, we talked about equipment versus buying a ranged blast as your thing. Uh, Mm -hmm. There's also the intelligence as far as being able to use that for uh, your like energy regen. So it's not tied to your health. The auto defense stuff is so powerful and so necessary because if you're a person who's like, oh, I, I didn't buy any of the like auto dodge or toughness or anything that just gives me static defense, you are fucked immediately as soon as the game starts. Yeah, yeah. There's uh, there's certain things where if you know to purchase them in advance, you're just going to be auto winning forever. Yeah, one uh, might this- say there's too much system mastery involved in this. Well, here's here's the thing that bothers me. You and I read this game over the past two weeks. And when we built our characters, we both built ludicrous power fantasy characters that do one thing perfectly and would blow this game world open. And it took us about three minutes to figure out how. Oh, yeah. I mean, my test was, all right, every time I make a starting character, can they beat up the Hulk? (laughs) And (laughs) it's pretty easy to make a starting character that's like, yo, I clown on the Hulk all day. Yeah, you just specialize, and even, and then there's a bunch of leftover points that you can still spend on things. You're not supposed to, but it's very easy to build a way crazy, super ultra-powerful character in this game. And it starts with robots. <laughs> so I'm going to say my least favorite thing is a counterexample to the char- the, uh, the power creation system. And I'm, I-, I talked about it earlier, but I think it's the whole sticking the landing thing, where half of these powers are cool kind of generic block powers that you could use to build a character that you'd recognize when you see them. If you Mm -hmm. see something like stretchiness, you're like, okay, I know about Mr. Fantastic, but I could also use this to build Kamala, uh, or I could build, use it to build, uh, I don't know, maybe Omega red or whatever, just by saying, Oh, his tentacles come out as a stretch factor instead Um, of using the tentacle power. I know. I know there's a tentacle power, but I was reaching. Don't mind me. That's fine. Um, uh, or you, but then on the other hand, you see a ton of powers in here that should have been rolled into those and just aren't. Like for whatever reason, they were just like, oh, I don't know. Let's take Jubilee's power and make it its own thing. Let's take Juggernaut's unstoppability and make it its own whole power that only Juggernaut has and only makes sense if you're building Juggernaut. <laughs> and yeah. you're like, why? Why would you do? That? I mean, who do you think is going to want to build their own character in this game? Because obviously there's a huge list of NPCs you could choose to pick and play as if you want to. Who's going to be like, I want to build my own character in this game, uh, my own way. And that starts with Scarlet Witch's exact power. 
<laughs> like it doesn't it doesn't work that it should these uh these powers that are so hyper specific should have been boiled into the generic options and let you build your character your way. I understand why they did it. This is a licensed game and they want to flaunt the license. Yeah. But uh it it makes the that section clunky and weird and repetitive. There's a lot of things that are like this is the same power again. It's just because a Scarlet Witch had it. Now it's here again. Yeah. Okay. So that's my least favorite thing. John, would you play this game? The sad thing is I would, but it would take a very good GM to sit me down and go, please do not ruin my game. Because <laughs> I would immediately go, what do you do? I make a character that breaks the system. Uh, Sorry. <laughs> I mean, I feel like I don't have to make a character that breaks the system. It, it wouldn't be that tough to build a basic character in this game. The problem is that most of the NPCs that you're going to encounter are going to be better than you in the only way that matters if you try to build a generic character. It's an arms race of a game. Yeah, the the thing is, it starts out when you're building the character and it says your character probably isn't going to be as good or as strong as the established heroes. Like, you're not going to be able to make a starting character that's going to have as much, like, power and resources and whatnot as, say, like, you know, Thor or Storm or Spider-Man or whatever. And <laughs> the problem is, you can look at that and go, well, I guess I gotta be a street-level garbage hero. Or you can go, well, fuck you, game. I'll make a character that does do that. Yeah, I do one thing, and I do it very well. I built the fucking shoveler. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, yeah, you're right. You can't build a character that's as powerful as, as an established Marvel hero, and that's actually, honestly, a big fucking problem. It's why I wouldn't play this game. Uh, I have a general test for licensed games, which is, do they let you make the heroes that you like, or do they make you let a chumpy version of the heroes that you like, who may someday be as good as the heroes that you like? And if it's that second one, fuck that game. I don't. I don't <laughs> want to play as Aragorn's crappy cousin. Yeah, it. That's a thing. I don't understand why people think that earn your fun is a superhero thing. Which superheroes are we seeing who vastly increase their power set over the course of their lifespan? Captain America pretty much was Captain America from the first issue. Yeah, it's it's a thing in hero games where I think the problem is. Everyone looks at it as we need to have something to spend XP on because XP is a part of role-playing games. So they, they're they like, all right, well, you're going to have to spend the XP in this game is called lines. Once mm -hmm. you spend 10 lines on something, then you can increase its number by one. And yeah. I just don't care. Superhero games... <laughs> It doesn't hurt superhero games to have some kind of growth mechanic built into them, but it works a lot better if it's a broad growth mechanic. If you're like, oh, my character gets a bunch of XP and now can play as the extreme 90s version of himself, as opposed to, I, I don't know, Cyclops' optic blast hits 10% harder now. It used to be the best laser in the world, and now it's, I don't know, 10% better. I mean, or do it something like, all right, I'm Spider-Man. I've got web shooters. I spent XP. My web shooter can now do web balls that I can shoot at people to, like, do blunt damage to them. All right, now I can use it to make a parachute. Like, just add in tricks and ways to use yeah. your powers in different ways. 
Heck, the first Marvel game had that. It was called stunts. You could build you could build power stunts that let you do cool shit with your powers. Uh, but yeah, this this idea that you need to force an XP mechanic, and that the fact that you forced an XP mechanic then comes with this corollary that your starting character is probably going to be kind of shitty compared to the heroes you know and love. And I'm like, no, I want to play as the heroes I know and love or their equivalents. Yeah, but I never want to play the actual thing. Like, I don't want to be Spider-Man or Captain America. I want to play a cool hero in that world. But instead, I don't get to play a cool hero in that world. I get to play some chump that is also around these actual heroes. Well, I think a great example that we see in modern game or, or modern comic design is Kamala. If you look at Miss Marvel, she is absolutely a complete fanboy about Marvel characters. Like she geeks out whenever she gets to meet them. She idolizes all of them, and she thinks she's she's trying to live up to their legacy by by training and developing. But she is already an established absolute badass. Mm-hmm. I'd put her up against Green Goblin, no problem. She's doing fine. She has all of her powers already. It's not like she's going to get stretchier or something. Uh, so that's the way you build them. If you want your character to be idolizing the, the the current crop of heroes, that's fine. They don't need to be chumpier. Exactly. So that's why I wouldn't play this, even though it isn't really the case. You can easily specialize your character and build a ludicrous god monster. Yep. And there you go. Uh, we have one yes and one no to who would play this game, and that should wrap us up. Uh, so let, why don't we get this one through quickly, because it's already an hour and 20. Hey, folks, go to our uh, Patreon, patreon.com slash systemmastery. Uh, there you can support us at the $1 level to unlock bonus content right here on this show, uh, where we make characters in the book we just reviewed. And you're going to get to hear some dumb ones this time, I assure you. Uh, you can also support us at the 2 and $5 levels to unlock yet more podcasts than that there are so many there are so many podcasts that's right we've got a ton of content go over to patreon.com slash system mastery even if you don't want to listen to it i don't care man help us out help give us some money help a guy out give me a yeah, dollar there you go. give us a dollar that would be great uh also we have a book coming out uh, i think it launches december 14th it is already in stores uh, as a pre-order now it's called dungeon meister and it is a book of nerd cocktail recipes Mm-hmm. role-playing really more role-playing game cocktail recipes in the beginning we had a whole bunch of like video game and shadow run jokes and stuff in there and those were very carefully phased and edited out <laughs> yeah, so it's mostly well. a big book of role-playing game cocktail recipes that we both really enjoyed writing it was fun to write and it'll be fun to make and fun to drink too hooray otherwise thank you so much for listening we'll see you real soon go find dungeon meister and you all have a good one